Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Chapel Hill. Praise God. Revival is in the air. Come on. Everything that Matthew just shared from Armenia to what Lakeisha shared with PSS to just the worship this morning, revival is in the air. And you know how we can see revival when it comes to signs? It's the sound of abundant rain. And so I think it's significant that even today that it's raining because in the midst of worship, I began to hear the Lord say, this is the sound of abundant rain. Revival is in the air. I just feel so much like fire in my bones right now. But this is a Sunday where we get to celebrate so much of the goodness of God. And so for those of you that are here for the first time, welcome. For those of you that are tuning in, welcome. I believe God has a word today to strengthen us in the midst of revival being in the air. And I feel like it's already been preached through the worship and through everything that's been shared. So I just love how the Holy Spirit brings confirmation But I know some of you are excited today because you're going to go home later and prepare and get ready for Super Bowl Sunday. Come on. For some of you, um, if you are like me, you celebrated Lunar New Year this weekend. And so I just want to greet you with a Vietnamese greeting in the new year. Chuk mung nam wai. So happy new year if you celebrate that. And in the Hebrew calendar, it's the month of Adar. We just entered into the month of Adar and it's a leap year in the Hebrew calendar. So this month actually repeats twice, but it's the first month of the year. The Hebrew calendar is interesting because we celebrate the Hebrew new year in the seventh month, but this weekend we entered into the first month of the Hebrew year. So I just feel like there's so much excitement for celebration this weekend. Amen. But what I feel like God stirred for me to share today was that in the midst of revival being in the air, sometimes there's things that come up in our hearts that we need healing from so that we can actually enter into the fullness of the sound of abundance of rain. And so I love what Grace brought up about the healing. And we're going to look at the life of a man who experienced the power of rain in his life but almost ran away from the revival that was coming in the land. But I just want to pray for us one more time and just get the heart of God and just see if there's anything that he wants to say or do before I just jump in here. But would you just posture your hearts? Maybe put your hand on your heart and just open up your spiritual ears. And God, we just say right now, we hear the sound of abundance of rain. God, we thank you for revival being in the air. And we thank you, Jesus, that your spirit is at work in the earth. God, that this is one of the greatest times to be alive. God, we thank you, Jesus, that you've raised us up in Chapel Hill for such a time as this. And we say, revival's in the air. Catch it if you can. God, we say, In this hour, in this time, God, we will see and we will receive. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Would you turn with me into the scriptures into 1 Kings chapter 18 verses 40 through 46 and 1 Kings chapter 19 verses 1 through 5. I'm just going to jump right in. First, uh, First Kings chapter 18 verse 40 reads, And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let one of them escape. So they seized them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and executed from there. Then Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat and drink. For there is the sound of an abundance of rain. Mm. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So we went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And seven times he said, go again. Then it came to pass the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud. Can you all see the cloud in the spirit? Can you see what God is doing in this time? There is a cloud as small as a man's hand. Sometimes it starts off so small. Rising out of the sea. So he said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. Come on. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. I want you to catch this part right here. Elijah began to see and even prophesy about the sound of an abundance of rain. Ahab catches the report and tells his wife Jezebel everything that's happening. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger of Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also. If I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So we see here Jezebel is ready to do to Elijah what Ahab has reported has happened to the prophets of Baal. And when he saw that, Elijah, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba which belongs to Judah, he went south from where he was and began to turn and run away from the place that God had already called him for the sound of abundance of rain to come. And he left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough now, Lord, Take my life, for I am no better than my father's. And then he lay and slept under a broom tree. And suddenly, here's God. An angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. In these scriptures, we begin to read about a man named Elijah. And the scriptures say that Elijah was a man like you and I. In Hebrew, Elijah's name is Eliyahu, which means my God is Yahweh. He was consecrated and anointed by God to be a prophet of the Lord. 
And he was one that was used by God to do great and mighty exploits in the land of Israel. And I believe that his testimony was to be one where when people looked at his life, they would actually be able to see that there is a God and his name is Yahweh. And similarly, when people look at our lives as believers, there's something that God allows for us to shine forth that allows for people to find evidence that our God truly is Jesus. Elijah, though, in the midst of this context, is in a place where even though he's experiencing the sound of an abundance of rain, the report that he receives because of Jezebel causes him to pick up feelings of intimidation, of fear. He probably was sitting under spiritual strongholds in that realm. And in the midst of where God was using him mightily and where rain was about to come for the first time in three and a half years, he's ready to tap out. He's ready to give up. And I wonder how many of us can relate to that. Where you've experienced the faithfulness of God, you're on the brink of great breakthrough, and then another storm comes, another negative report. Something's happening with your family. Something changes with your job. Something happens where your school uh, doesn't go the way that you were hoping. And you're like, ah, another one. I just got through this. And you're in this place where you're like, God, this is enough. I'm ready to tap out. And I want you to know that it's okay if you're in that place or if you've been in that place. Because Elijah was there too. But even when we're in that place, that's not where God wants to leave us. And so I want to speak to anyone here today who feels like, oh, you're seeing God move. You're hearing all these testimonies and you want to participate. You want to jump in. But you feel like your heart's been in this place of, can I really move forward? I've still got places of brokenness. I've still got fractures. I'm still battling with fear or intimidation. And I think what's interesting is when we begin to receive the report of fear or intimidation, all of a sudden in our mind, our thoughts begin to have all these narratives of so many things that could or should go wrong. It begins to paint these stories within our imagination that causes us to really shrink back and feel like, oh, like, what if I don't get a job? What if I can't pay my bills? What if I don't graduate on time? What if my family members don't get saved? What if the sickness does overtake me? What if God doesn't come through? And all of a sudden, at some point, fear and intimidation, when the report of those narratives really grab a hold of us, we disconnect from the hope and the goodness of God's report. But I'm so encouraged that even in Elijah's story, as we look at it, God had the final say. But let's go back and and get some context for what was happening for Elijah. Two chapters earlier, Elijah's in this place where the word of the Lord comes to him. And he begins to prophesy to Israel that for three years, there's going to be drought in the land. Because so many people have turned away from God and began to worship the idol of Baal. And so Elijah prophesies this, but in the midst of him prophesying all of this, guess what? He has to live through it too. 
He's in the midst of three and a half years of drought, no rain, famine in the land. Think about that within our context for a moment. Three and a half years ago, we're at the end of 2020. We're in the midst of coming out of the pandemic and still navigating some of that. And it's like, man, so much fear, so much intimidation. How are we going to have provision? All of these things that are in our minds and our hearts, right? But I'm so fascinated by how Elijah was able to actually prosper in the midst of famine and in the midst of drought. And I want to encourage you today that all of us made it because we're here today. We made it through the pandemic. God was faithful. Even if we had hard times, we are here today because of the hand of God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. And so what we see in the life of Elijah are a few things. There's so many things that we could probably pull from, but one, God was Elijah's provider. In first Kings chapter 17, we begin to see that God actually speaks to Elijah in the midst of the drought where people don't see rain. And God says, go live by the brook Shadron and begin to drink from there. And not only that, God began to feed Elijah on a regular basis and gave him ravens to feed him. It doesn't matter what we're going through or if we're in a famine or we're in a drought, whether we're in a famine within our own souls or whether there's famine and drought in the earth, God is able to be our provider. Amen. He's able to feed us and cause us to be able to drink from sources that we may have never even expected. So if he sends you a raven in the midst of a drought, it's okay. Just receive his provision. Secondly, God also was a miracle working God in the midst of Elijah's life to produce multiplication of resources. We see God lead Elijah to stay with a widow in Zarephath. And in the midst of staying with her, she begins to talk about how her bin of flour and her jar of oil are going to run out. And guess what happens? Elijah, because he's connected to the source of provision, begins to get a word of the Lord and prophesies and said, if you will do these things, your bin will not run out and your jar of oil will not dry up until rain comes in the land again. I want to encourage you today that if we're in the midst of a drought or in the midst of a famine and God is connected to us, we'll receive wisdom in the spirit so that resources don't go dry. Until the sound of an abundance of rain comes forth. And I'm saying all of this because we've made it through three and a half years. And we're in the time where we're entering into the sound of an abundance of rain. Revival is in the air. The resources didn't dry up in the pandemic. You and I are here today. God has multiplied resources. And he is saying, church, are you ready to move forward into the midst of this move of God? Come on, somebody. Woo! And in the midst of a move of God, we get to see him move as Jehovah Rapha, our God who heals. And even in the midst of drought, God began to heal through Elijah. You know what happened in the midst of the widow and Elijah interacting together? Her son began to have this serious sickness where the scripture says it was like his soul was taken from him. And guess what Elijah does? He begins to petition God because he says, God, 
Like, did you bring me here so that this child would die on my watch? And he stretches himself out on the top of this child and he prays a few times. And all of a sudden, the God of Israel answers. The God of Abraham answers. And the spirit of this child comes back into his soul and he revives. Come on, somebody. Praise God. God is Elijah's provider. He's a miracle worker. And he's a healer. Like Elijah, when we are going through a drought season in our lives, we can experience his faithfulness as provider, as miracle worker, as healer. We'll be taken care of, and God will multiply the things that need to be multiplied to keep us us moving forward so that we can be anointed to demonstrate the kingdom of God to a world that is dying, that is lacking hope, that is under fear, and that does not have the source that we have. Elijah, in the midst of drought, allowed for God to demonstrate signs and wonders through him. When he could have shrunk back in that time and said, oh, I just need to survive this time. And I want to encourage all of us that God's not just calling us to survive in the midst of a drought or a famine. But he's actually calling us to thrive with an abundance of life so that we can go forth and preach the gospel and see the the sick healed and to see people resurrected again like Matthew was sharing and to see those that are in need of comfort and support in the midst of what they're going through have brothers and sisters who will love them, who will be steadfast, who will be faithful so that they can actually rejuvenate and find life in Christ too. Praise God. But you know what's amazing is that in the midst of these three and a half years, we didn't even see the greatest demonstration yet. We see all these things, but ultimately, God wants to show people and exalt himself as Yahweh. And in our lives, he wants to show himself as Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, where every nation knows that there is no one greater than Jesus himself. And so in the midst of these three and a half years, as this drought and famine are coming to an end, Elijah actually gets to demonstrate why his name is, my God is Yahweh. He begins to receive word from the Lord that rain is going to come, and he confronts Ahab. And for the first time, he confronts Ahab, and he he challenges Ahab to gather the 400 prophets who have been worshiping Baal. And when they're in his midst, he begins to challenge the people on that day to say, are you going to continue to falter between two opinions? Are you going to continue to serve the idols and the prophet and the Baals that you've been worshiping? Are you going to serve God? If Baal is God, worship him. But if Yahweh is God, worship him. And I believe for us as we're entering into this move of the spirit in the earth, that there is going to be a presentation where people get to say, are they going to continue to worship themselves or the other idols that they worship? Or are they going to worship Jesus as Messiah? And so Elijah challenges the prophets and the prophets, they bring their sacrifices to the altar and they're doing all the things that they know how to do. They're offering blood sacrifice. They're doing all these rituals. 
And there is no response from this idol of Baal to consume the sacrifice. And just to prove a point, I think, Elijah, what he does is on his sacrifice, he actually takes uh, buckets and buckets of water and he just drenches his sacrifice just to show the power of God. And all of a sudden he begins to pray for God to consume this sacrifice. And what happens? Fire comes down from heaven and consumes the sacrifice. And all of a sudden people are screaming, their God is their God. My God is my God. Yahweh is God. Jesus is Lord. That when we come to a place where people are trying to reason with us whether or not Jesus is Lord, Jesus can demonstrate things in our midst that cause people to awaken to the reality that, oh, the things that I've been serving, the things that I've tried to find comfort or pleasure in that have actually been leading me apart from a full and an abundant life, Actually, I've needed Jesus all along because of what I just witnessed. The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. For the first time that we see in these chapters, people begin to proclaim that Elijah's God is Yahweh. And so Elijah, he has seen God prove himself in the midst of all of this. And he begins to discern that there's a shift in the times. And he begins to prophesy about the abundance of rain. But all of a sudden, when Ahab tells his wife all these things, she presents a report that causes Elijah to shrink back, just like we read in the scriptures earlier. And he's in this place where he's in fear and he's intimidation. And maybe some of us can relate to that. And I wonder if Elijah, if he had been fully rooted in his identity, how he would have responded. Because he's seen all of these great exploits, and he literally just saw God consume the altar with fire. Showing himself as greater than any Baal worship that the prophets that were worshiping Baal at the time could even say or do. He saw miracles like the multiplication of oil and the the jar of flour continue to multiply. He saw himself get daily provision through the ravens feeding him. And I bet if we went around this room and I just asked you to reflect on the goodness and the faithfulness of God over the past three and a half years and how he's met you. We could recount story after story after story where we'd be here for hours. And so Elijah, like us, can probably recall all of these stories. But in this moment, somehow these testimonies of God's goodness, maybe they've been forgotten in his mind. Maybe he's just been really just wary from all these battles. And I imagine that after three and a half years of drought, you're probably super tired, maybe fatigued. And the scriptures don't say this directly. So this is just me pondering, but I wonder maybe Elijah wasn't in a place of fear because of Jezebel's report, but maybe he had just grown wary in the battle. Because I imagine that if he was strengthened in his identity, that report, he would have just said, Jezebel can try all she wants, but my God is Yahweh. 
you know, and I think that Jezebel needed to send fear and intimidation because she recognized that she couldn't actually kill Elijah off. Who can touch God's anointed? For three and a half years, Ahab had sent different men to look for Elijah. And what happened for three and a half years? The spirit of the Lord concealed him. When we're in a place where we're anointed and appointed by God, it doesn't matter what the enemy tries to send to you. Because you're going to be hidden. You're going to be concealed. He can move you past things where the enemy can't prosper over your life in Jesus' name. And so for three and a half years, Elijah's experiencing this. But all of a sudden, Jezebel, because she, doesn't even, she can't even send men right now to grab a hold of Elijah to arrest him and kill him. So she has to create a fake narrative. That's really all the enemy can do is he creates a fake narrative to try to intimidate us where we begin to forget the narrative and the story that God has over our life. But I love that God has the final say. And so if you've been in a place where you've been wary from the battle, where you've wanted to give up, I want you to know it's okay. God sees you. He's not mad at you. When I look at these scriptures, I don't sense a a form or an expression of judgment in the heart of God towards Elijah of like, Elijah, look at what I've just done three and a half years for you. Get up. There's no sense of that. There's more sense of compassion. And I think because of the compassion of God, God probably understood, wow, Elijah's gone through so much in three and a half years. And right now, he just needs to be reminded of who I am. Sometimes our breakthrough in the midst of preparing for the sound of an abundance of rain isn't to pray harder, isn't to study the Bible more diligently, but it's to just come back to that place where we allow God to be God and begin to show us his loving kindness again and remind us, my God is Yahweh. My Lord is Jesus. And so here's what happens. An angel of the Lord comes to Elijah and says, arise and eat. And this actually happens a few times. Arise and eat, Elijah. And then Elijah gets up and he arises and he eats. And it happens again. And then all of a sudden, God begins to strengthen Elijah where he's standing again. And God's able to remind him of who God is. And what Elijah's purpose and assignment is. Sometimes in the midst of what we're going through. All we need is to encounter God that one more time. Just like some of you did during the Holy Spirit weekend. And then when you encounter him. He just says arise and eat. See arise and eat here for Elijah was eating something physically. But I believe for us spiritually arise and eat looks like this. Feast again on the testimonies of God. Strengthen yourself on the testimonies of what others have said. Feed yourself on the truths of his scripture. And don't just read them because you need to check something off of the box as a good Christian. But actually allow for the truth of his word to begin to strengthen you on the inside. Where you begin to be nourished again and you're reminded. Oh wait, my God is Yahweh. And I am a son or a daughter of the living God. He's anointed me. He's appointed me. And it doesn't matter if Jezebel gives a fearful report. I'm going to prosper because my God is Yahweh. 
Come on, because it was never our responsibility to make revival happen. God begins to release his spirit. And all we have to do is revivals in the air. Catch it if you can. We just begin to move and flow with the wind of the spirit. And sometimes when we're in that place of discouragement and we want to tap out, we just need to arise and eat and feast again on the goodness of God. Come on. Praise God. When I look at the life of Elijah, I'm so encouraged by how God met him in the midst of everything he had been through. And I don't know what you've been through in the past three and a half years or before that. But I want you to know that your God is Jesus. And he has written beautiful, redemptive stories over your lives. And so I want to speak for a moment in this next portion briefly, maybe not briefly. But I just want to encourage you because during Elijah's time, the way that he had to interact with God was the spirit had to come upon him. But today, you and I, we have an advantage that Elijah didn't have. And so I want you to just look at your neighbor for a moment and just say, you have the advantage. Come on, one more time with confidence. You have the advantage. Come on, one more time. You have the advantage. See, the reality is that the life that we live now is one where we have an advantage that those in the old covenant never had. And more than us having an advantage, we need to know who is our advantage. And I believe that God in the old covenant knew that we would need someone to be able to be our advantage to get through the times that we live. Because he tried to release the law through Moses and have the nation of Israel obey these commandments, these Ten Commandments perfectly. And what did we find? They couldn't uphold all of these laws and commandments on their own. They needed to offer sacrifice. They needed forgiveness from God. And so what does God do to redeem all of humanity? He sends Jesus to live the life that we were supposed to live. And in the midst of that, Jesus actually modeled for us what it looks like for us in our humanity to live a life that's dependent on our advantage. And then he went to the cross and he shed his blood and he said, it's okay. It's okay if Michael can't obey the Ten Commandments perfectly. It's okay if Michael can't get all these things right. I love him so much that I'm willing to go to the cross and take upon himself everything that Michael has done wrong. Take upon himself everything that you and I in this room have done collectively. And at the cross, when he shed his blood, he said, it is finished. He became that Passover lamb. And then he resurrected again because he wanted us to know that nothing can defeat death except for Jesus himself. And so you and I, because of what Jesus has done, we've been able to receive this message of the gospel where when we receive Jesus, we're now forgiven. We're no longer looked at or defined by our past. It doesn't matter what type of traumas that we've been through in our past. When Jesus looks at us now, he doesn't see us marred by those stains or those pain areas. He looks at us and he says, I see the gift of God, Jesus taking your place. And what's so unique is when Jesus is walking with the disciples, he begins to tell them that, yeah, it's been amazing to walk with him for three and a half years himself, but it's to their advantage that he actually goes away. 
And that advantage that we have today and that advantage that Jesus talked to his disciples about is the Holy Spirit. And I know for a lot of us, especially being in this church family, we've experienced moves of the Spirit in so many ways. And so some of these scriptures that we go through may be a refresher. But I wanted you to be able to catch this because as we go through this time period where revival's in the air, we need to remember that it's not all on our shoulders. It's not all up to us to be able to represent Jesus well. It's actually the spirit of God living on the inside of us that gets to flow out of us so that we can demonstrate the works of God. And so we're just going to look at who is the advantage for the next moments here. And we're just going to blitz through different scriptures. And for some of you, this will be a refresh. And for some of you, it'll be a, a clarifying of like, oh, this is the individual that lives on the inside of me. See, Holy Spirit, he's not uh, someone who's relegated to second place in the Godhead. Holy Spirit is equally God, just as Jesus and the Father. And once we've gotten born again and we know Jesus personally, all of us no longer are defined as someone who's discarded to be second rate. We actually are now all established as valuable in the eyes of God. And we all have the ability to triumph in life because all of us have the same spirit of God living on the inside. And so who is the Holy Spirit? The first scripture we're going to look at is John chapter 14, verses 15 through 18. The scripture reads, if you love me and keep my commandments, I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. If you felt lonely at any point in your life, I want you to know that someone is dwelling on the inside of your spirit and he's not leaving tomorrow. He's not leaving next month. He's with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So who is this advantage? He is the ever abiding presence of God who dwells with you daily. And I don't know what your family upbringing was like, whether it was healthy or dysfunctional or whether you wish like, wow, man, I wish I could have experienced this or that when I look at my friends and their families. But I want to encourage you that the spirit of God does not leave you as an orphan. He's come and he's adopted you into a new family. And he wants you to know that you're not alone any longer. You may have felt physically alone at moments, but now you have someone who understands you and he dwells with you forever. And so that's an advantage as we go through life. Elijah probably felt like he was alone in that moment when Jezebel was giving those fearful reports because all he could see were 400 prophets that were worshiping Baal. I don't think he knew that there were 7,000 other prophets that hadn't bowed the knee. And so in that moment of loneliness, it makes sense to me that he was ready to give up. And maybe for some of us, we felt like that and God sees you and he just wants to remind you today. There is an ever abiding presence in the spirit of God who dwells with you. Not only this, but we're going to go into Matthew 10, 20 and Romans 8 verses 14 through 16. Matthew 10, 20. 
For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Sometimes as a child of God, when you're presented in certain situations, you don't know what to do or say. And that's okay. Because when you have a relationship with the spirit of God, he begins to drop nuggets of wisdom and revelation. And all of a sudden you might find yourself opening your mouth and speaking things. And you're like, whoa, did I really say that? The spirit of God knows how to speak through you. And in Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through, 15, through 16, I love this. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He is the spirit of adoption and he is the spirit of the father. You know, one of the markers of the advantage on the inside of us is all of a sudden as we grow in relationship, we begin to recognize we've actually been adopted into an eternal bloodline that will last forever. That is perfectly cleansed of every form of trauma, sin and iniquity because the blood of Jesus is so pure. And so whatever we've gone through in our natural biological lives there's actually opportunity because of the spirit of adoption living on the inside of us to cleanse us and to redeem us of all those traumas of our past and to cause us to walk and experience and actually live things that we thought would never be possible on our own. And so if you grew up in uh, traumatic circumstances where you feel like, man, I could never be like a healthy father or a healthy mother because of what I saw modeled to me. I want to challenge you to know that because the spirit of God has adopted you, you actually have a new father who can father you in a way as his child and say, oh, actually, this is a possibility in your life. You can actually become the mom or the dad, the son or the daughter that you've always aspired to be. You can become that individual that prospers in that workplace or in that particular organization that you thought you were disqualified for but you feel the invitation of God calling you because the spirit of the father has adopted you and he wants to speak over you that you're no longer an orphan. You're a confident son. You're a beloved daughter. You're someone who's so valuable in the eyes of eternity. He is the spirit of adoption and the spirit of the father. Second Corinthians three seventeen. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The spirit is the Lord. Sometimes we try so hard to perfectly obey God in our surrender to Jesus in lordship. But the reality is we don't have to do it on our own because he is the Lord living on the inside of us. We just posture our hearts and say, God, I surrender to you, not just as my savior, but as my Lord. Would you empower me? And the spirit of God begins to strengthen us to be able to obey the things that God calls us to when we wouldn't be able to in our own strength and might. He glorifies Jesus. John 16, 14. Jesus says he will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Elijah got to experience the reality of people proclaiming that his God is Yahweh, that his God is Lord. The reason that people can see that Jesus is Lord in our lives is because the Holy Spirit's passion is to glorify Jesus. And so when the Spirit is at work with us, 
even when we have our shortcomings and our blemishes, people are able to see beyond that and say, wow, like I see Jesus in Donovan because the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. Is this helping anyone today? John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he has come, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. The advantage within us, one of his roles is to convict the world of sin. Believers of our righteousness and the devil of his eternal judgment. So when we're preaching the gospel and we're believing for the salvation of those that we've been praying for, guess what? You don't have to be discouraged when you share with your friends and they haven't responded yet. Because the Holy Spirit is actually the one who's going to open up their heart to recognize who Jesus is. When you're in a place of condemnation, we get to be reminded that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because the Holy Spirit's role for us is to remind us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when the devil is trying to tell you something that is a false report, all we have to do is allow for the spirit to rise up and remind the devil that his eternal judgment is eternal condemnation forever in hell. Come on. A few more attributes about who is our advantage. He is our teacher, John 14, verse 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, when the Father, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all things that I said to you. John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. See, the good news is that even when we've forgotten testimonies, even when we've forgotten scriptures, even when we don't know how to do certain things, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He can bring to mind all the things that we need in a particular moment in order to be able to move forward with God. He is our teacher. And not only this, but he's the one that enables us to walk in the spirit. Galatians 5.16, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And he's the one that empowers us to demonstrate the power of God. Acts 1.8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. See, the advantage within us if I can recap, does so many things. He's the ever abiding presence within us. He's the spirit of adoption and the spirit of the father. He is the Lord. He glorifies Jesus. He convinces the world of sin, believers of righteousness and judgment on the devil. He is our teacher. He enables us to walk in the spirit and he empowers us to demonstrate the power of God. As I'm landing the plane, I want to come back to Elijah for a moment. In the New Testament, in James chapter 5, verses 17 through 18, the scripture reminds us that Elijah was just like us. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. 
And he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. We may have moments where in our humanity, we come into those places of fear and intimidation. But the encouragement for us today is that we have an advantage that Elijah, probably in the cloud of witnesses, wishes he could have had. And that advantage does all of these things in our lives. And so as we're in places where maybe we felt discouraged or intimidated, I want to remind you today that the advantage within us is the one who sees us. And he's the one that reminds us to arise and eat. And so I want to encourage you today that wherever you are, just arise and eat. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.